and uh, welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. Try saying that when you're tired, in a hurry. I'm um, Andy Bannister from Solas. I'm joined as ever uh, by the uh, by the uh, effervescent is the usual adjective I use, isn't it? Christy Mayer from uh, from Oak Hill uh, College today in in London. How are you doing, Christy? Thanks, mate. Doing well. Yeah, it's good to see you. And and I'm joined by yourself, the fantastic Andy Bannister, who is now in Hobbiton uh, slash Rivendell and no longer part of the the sunny northern, well, Scottish climate. Well, that's right. I moved, moved south and that was a reference to, yes, I'm recording from a little wooden hut in the garden that we've christened, we christened Bag End. I was going to call it, I was going to call it Rivendell, but my daughter, who's nine and charming and full of tact, went... Daddy Rivendell is the home of the elves. They are six foot tall and blonde. You are five foot eight and grey. So, um, oh, the mouth. So, um, so Christy, what exciting guest have we got on Pep Talk today? Well, Andy, I think we are interviewing each other. Are we not? We are. We are. We are. <laughs> yes, there is. There is no guest. Um, kind of thing. It, it's tempting to name and shame the person who would have been in the slot, but decided that you know, I don't know, lying on a beach and. <laughs> in Cardiff Bay or something was far more exciting but no we actually thought it was a great opportunity we did interview each other didn't we at the start of Pep Talk mm. yeah we did we had a really good chat didn't we around some issues there I thought it would be really interesting uh, to talk for a little while about what are some of the contemporary questions right because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of my time out in the culture doing evangelistic events all kinds of settings you spend a lot of time especially on university campuses you do more university stuff than, than I do and I and I guess it'd be interesting I just thought perhaps chat a bit about you know, maybe start by maybe asking you, Christy, what have you seen a shift in some of the questions? I mean, I know when I started, when I started university ministry and evangelism mm. ministry 20 years ago, it was a lot of does God exist, science and faith. You know, you could always predict the questions. Um, mm. Is that the same? Is it exactly the same today? Is it the same old, same old, same old? Or um, mm. are we seeing some different Are you seeing some different questions outside the four walls of the church? Yeah, I have. I think one of the things that I've noticed even from the time when when I first started um, public um, like proclamation, like evangelism on campuses, is that maybe like 13, 13 years ago or so, um, the questions were much more around, you know, credibility, evidence, reason-based questions. And a lot of that came out from, you know, the new atheism um, that was, you know, that was doing its rounds at the time of, of Sam Harris and Dawkins. And I think after that, that kind of created this kind of, I don't know, like a, a there is a nature of balls of vacuum, doesn't it? So there was a never this kind of moral vacuum. I think students started to see that the logical consequence of new atheism was actually, you know, just morally abhorrent and started to kind of think more about, well, huh, um, well, what is what is desirable about faith? Like, what is it that people actually believe and I think with that came this shift from credibility questions to desirability questions of how is this relevant to my life like what difference will will Jesus make um to me like how how is faith personal and um applicable like what does that look like and I think particularly you know um I don't know if I don't yeah I'll, I'll stop there. I'm starting to um, starting to ramble, Andy. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, it's great because, of course, you know you, you are you are a lecturer and uh, you just do it so well. You just go into teaching mode. It was. No, it was don't, don't say that. It was great. The people that people can't see what I can. I can see Christy. She's got a flip chart out. She's drawing diagrams. There's a bit of handout coming. Um, right here. <laughs> okay. No, I think I would. I would say I broadly 
I broadly align with that. I mean, the wrong, I suppose the, the other word I'd throw in, which is a big, long kind of sort of scary word, but isn't really when you unpack what it means, of course, is the whole, yeah, the, the shift to, to far more existential right questions yeah. questions to do with meaning questions to do with with identity and, and and feelings and you know what we might say would be more subjective questions and one of the things i think is interesting i think you know that can make us nervous as christians because particularly as evangelicals right we like propositional truth you know here is a five-step argument for the resurrection follow with me one two three four five and there's still <laughs> there's still a place for that but yeah like the last big mission i did was the st andrews university kind of mission earlier this year, I was struck. I mean, I've seen this trend developing, but there was not a single question on any of those traditional areas. I had a couple of science conversations like offline, as it were, sitting around tables. A, a couple of students raised some of the more trad questions. Um, one of them was a Muslim, which is, it was interesting. And Muslims, I think, are still old-fashioned modernists in some ways. But the questions that came from the floor at the end of lunch bars and evening events were much more, as you say, you know, okay, what difference does this make? And then I think a lot were, there was quite a lot of pain and angst in there as as well. Right. Questions around hope and suffering and an and identity and sort of dealing with negative feelings. And, and I mean, some of the stuff that came out, and it was, once it's quite exciting because you felt like you were dealing with real issues, not surface stuff, but also, you know, tougher to navigate as, as well because there was a, a heavy dose of pastoral stuff in there as well, mm. quite honestly, not just not just let me give you an argument. Well, right. I mean, on the the, the pastoral element, I mean, how, how what do you think it looks like to engage with those kind of existential, desirable, desire, desirability kind of questions? Because I guess what's what's quite easy, isn't it, about the, the more trad kind of versions is that you can just learn a, a set of um, like propositional statements or arguments to kind of present to someone. But the, these kind of quality of questions require something else. Like, what have you, hmm. how have you entered those questions? How have yeah. you presented Christ? Well, I think one thing I've learned, Christy, is, that is, is becoming, more, becoming more relaxed with asking questions and just then pausing a little bit. Because, you know, again, as evangelicals, we're often very good at going, let me give you the answer. And I know I'm a loud mouth, so I'm you know, fond of doing this. And ironically, I've been, for years I've been teaching people how to ask questions in evangelism while not always being perhaps as good as it myself as I might be. But on some of these things, especially when you've got people who would outwardly not say they're, they're interested in religion or spirit or, or faith or whatever, but you use the spirituality word, they sort of lean in, um, being willing to ask, ask questions and then pause. And actually, I was telling you the story before we started re- recording. I'll share it here, actually. Last, last week, week before we were, we were recording this, I was on Jersey in the Channel Islands uh, for a week, which actually confused quite a lot of my American friends because they thought I was in New Jersey. And one American friend got really confused that I talked about get, I was posting pictures of the sunset on the ferry back from Jersey. And they were like, you're getting the ferry? Like from Jersey to, to Europe? It's like, yeah, yeah, the Channel Islands. The Channel Islands, mate. Um, but anyway, one of the things I did there is I had the privilege of doing um, sort of seven or eight lessons in schools, mm. high schools with, with 15 through to 18-year-olds. And one of the lessons they had me teach was on human rights. And so I just told the story of a human rights um, abuse and, and, and told this tragic story. And then I asked the, the students, okay, who here thinks this is wrong? And like every hand went up. It's never good when there's a psychopath in 5B. Well, there was no, everybody was on, was on form. And then I just asked the question, okay, why is it wrong? And then, I, and I, then what I did, rather than sort of teach that, I immediately threw them into discussion groups. I went, okay, why is it wrong? Um, mm. 
would it be would it have been okay if that was you know if this particular episode was fine in the country that happened if culturally it was okay would that make it okay uh, is it right to impose you know ideas of human rights on other cultures and is there something distinct about human beings that might give us a foundation for human rights and i let them talk I let them discuss that for 10 15 minutes and then we sort of came back together and you could see there were all kinds of knots and rabbit trails and and people are really struggling. They knew they knew that they didn't. They that these these teenagers knew they didn't like injustice. They knew yeah. that injustice was wrong. They'd be, be passionately injustice and rights and dignity and all this kind of stuff, but they couldn't give a reason. And then over the class, basically, I just you know had the privilege of just gently introducing the idea. And that was the other thing I did there. I think was not go. The answer is, I went when it comes to this issue. I think we need to think very carefully what we believe. Because mm. if you but if you believe that if you are an atheist, then this is a real conundrum. Whereas on the other hand, if you believe in some kind of God, then that does at least give you a framework for this. Doesn't prove that God exists. That's well, we're going way too far, but it's it sits much better. So think about what you believe. That was the and if everything in me wants to go further, but A was a school setting, and B mm. I thought no, let them sit with it, and. Mm. You know, trust that there are other Christian teachers in the in in the school as a good RS department. Um, and that's that's so good as well, isn't it? Because what you've what you've done there is you've encouraged a a strong sense of self reflection and ownership of their own um, of their own views and how to form mm. how, how to think essentially, which you know is one of those things which just reflecting on some some course of evangelicalism just just generally we can be quite weak on. You know, we've We've kind of just thought, okay, this this person will give me a particular model about of how to kind of talk to people about Jesus, and you know what does it mean to form a, you know, to form a mind, to form a Christian mind, as it were. I think you're you've given them really good tools to to engage to engage <laughs> just generally um, with life, but also particular in particular with with Jesus and His Word when they get there, God willing. So to turn the question around, what about your yourself? How, how do you find some of these things play out? Has it shifted some of the ways that you you know engage in conversations, or that you engage you know you structure a talk if you're speaking evangelistically? How has um how has this sort of shift to the more existential type of question caused you to perhaps adjust some things? Because you're a philosopher, right? You know, so you know you're trained again. You know, traditionally, here are the arguments: bang, 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 bang culture shifted a bit so what are you doing Mm, yeah thanks Andy I I think I've I've usually kind of come even even when um things were a little bit more kind of classical um approaches I've usually gone through kind of desires and longings um and and mainly I think that is because of the philosophical kind of slant and things and and seeing that as human beings you know we are we aren't pure reason that there is Mm. more to us than that so I think I've always found myself slightly um, rubbing up against some of the more traditional forms of apologetics anyway and haven't felt quite at home in it. So I don't know what the next kind of permutation will be after this. So at the moment, I feel like I'm in my wheelhouse. So something else might happen. And I think, oh, gosh, I'm not sure how to communicate. Um, but I think very much, as you mentioned, the the role of asking questions and, you know, even a number of years ago, what I found really um, beneficial in some of the, the talks that I was giving in the Midlands was kind of structure it in such a way that if it is a, um, a talk from the front, 
um, having like five minutes of talk question, five minutes talk question, and each question is going kind of more deeply into the the topic, mm. helping people to apply that is immediately um, engaging them with the topic and and helping them to see the the relevance um, and the goodness of of who Jesus is. So you're kind of funneling things a yeah. little bit. So I think I've I've found that helpful in in public stuff and again just in personal conversations. You know, this is what Randy Newman has always done so well is mm. talk about how um, evangelism is really hard. <laughs> And we often don't don't admit that, I think. Um, and I think that's what I've, I've really kind of really appreciated about his work is that you know, even asking questions can be very difficult because you're, you're almost exposing yourself in a way, aren't you? Like, will this person answer it or won't they? And it's easier just to fill the silence with words. And um, I think his approach of, you know, looking at how does Jesus ask questions yeah. in the gospel, um, I think is continues obviously to be such a a wonderful way to honor the other person's humanity and to move the conversation onwards it's not a a concession of conviction if you don't immediately bring jesus into the conversation um yeah i think there's some of the things that that i found helpful um in that and also i think just putting ourselves in the position of the the person that we're talking with you know when we think about our own interactions with other people what is it that that we find you know just kind of you know your your mind just switches off a bit um in any kind of communication and then just having that kind of self-awareness of oh how might this person be receiving this conversation Mm. um yeah there was something else that we were talking about wasn't there Andy before we started filming and I remember saying we need to we need to pause this so we can bring it up later and I can't remember what it was now can you oh was it the fact that I was talking about the fact that um well, I certainly told you the fact that I'm off to Oxford University to do a thing for the CU there on on other religions um so they uh so the CU there is a really good a really active remissional CU I know you've spoken a lot for them and uh I think it's my first engagement for them actually because the last six years I've lived in Scotland so it hasn't really worked and yeah, so when I asked them what topic, I was almost expecting one of these more sort of existential ones. But they've they've gone for they want me to come and address to Muslims and Christians worship the same God, which is interesting. That's right. How because we were mentioning, weren't we, that um, you know of the five kind of big apologetics questions that this is. I think this, I think I expressed just an element of surprise that that these questions, particularly the one about you know other faiths and is there more than one way to God, that this is still a. Um, this is still kind of a really important question um, that that students and others are asking. Um, what are your reflections on that? You yeah. mentioned it's a different, yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things go, go, going on, aren't there? I think the I think the third what, first thing is obviously when you encounter folks from other faith traditions, they can often be much more. They can be a lot more sort of tradi- tradi- traditional in the way they you know view reality. So you know, don't go in trying the desire approach with with Muslims to go invariably it's probably not going to work it may do i mean you may, you may find a very westernized muslim but a more traditional muslim is going to look at you like you're slightly bonkers um and when i first went to speaker's corner i remember getting, it was great because you hadn't got a you know pussyfoot around you're very quickly straight to write is it jesus or muhammad the quran or the bible um it's like gosh okay i'm not in kansas anymore um but then for i think for but outside of that set of students and that and you so that so anyway that's that means addressing that question for them is in, is important the other thing i think christy is going on is i i had this hunch 
and I haven't got the data to back it up. It's all anecdotal, which is annoying because I, you know, I like to, I like to be able to. It'd be great if I could go well based on a, a longitudinal survey of, you know, a thousand conversations. And so <laughs> I think a lot of people, I think a lot of Westerners, are increasingly open to the idea of spirituality. We've talked around that, right? To go that I think you know the new atheism has failed. Uh, it has died a death. It was a, it was a, it was a sort of a zeitgeisty thing. Some of the questions it popularized. Sure, they're out there still, but it failed. So I think a lot more people are open to spirituality, which can frighten Christians, right? Because we're like, well, that's so nebulous. Well, yeah, so it is, but so is the, so was the altar to the unknown God, but that didn't cause Paul problems. He went, great, I'm going to work with this. Um, but then what happens, once people start thinking about spirituality, I then have this hunch that then there's a sort of rabbit in the headlight type panic of going, Struth, there's all these different things out there. What what do what do I do? Do I just you know choose the half remembered you know Anglicanism from my youth? Do I try something really funky? I've got a mate at work as a Buddhist. Um, you know what do I do? And I think I think that sort of panic sets in, and so that often will lead people to then go that sort of you know it's easy to criticise the postmodern approach of take a bit of this and a bit of the other, but I think it's just based on I just don't know where to go next. Um, so I think the other religions question then inserts itself into that space for people who have figured out there is something spiritual how do i then find a way forward um it, do i pick anything is there, are there some contenders out there and then of course you're also heading an issue off at the past if they start looking at jesus and they come across his exclusive claims mm. you know you can help them get ready for that so they don't go oh gosh christianity is exclusive i'm going to throw it out the window because because we don't want exclusivity mm. so i think that's where the question generates um and the and the and the, and the God, I, I was glad they asked me to do that talk because that talk that I do in the book that it's based upon, uh, IVP two thousand twenty one, available from all good booksellers, uh, and even some bad booksellers too. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, I use that question as a way to zero in, not just on the abstracts. I I, I look at the nature of God in, in, the, in the Bible and the Quran, and pick some key attributes that God in the Bible is relational, knowable. He's love and he has suffered. And that doesn't just make a distinction from Islam. If you can't get to the gospel off those categories, you probably ought to be not be doing, you know, that you know those these kind of sort of evangelistic messages, quite frankly, because it, it just like it just what I like about it is Jesus just so naturally emerges mm-hmm. out of that talk of going, you know, it's in Jesus that we see those attributes of God so clearly, relational, noble, love, and and, and has suffered. So it, so it, it nicely differentiates and it and it points to Jesus. At the end, and maybe that's the other thing in all of this, Christy, is you know, relaxing and being willing to go. Let Jesus do His thing. We can raise the questions. We can help people on the journey. We can get. We can ask interesting questions and get them thinking. All the Randy Newman stuff, but you know, maybe we just need to relax a little bit and go. Let the Holy Spirit then do what the Holy Spirit does, rather than feeling if we don't clinch the deal, we've somehow done something wrong. Hmm. We've got yeah. a couple of minutes left. So go on. Final thoughts on that. I was just going to ask you how how do you stay spiritually refreshed and formed to continue to to be speaking at kind of like the forefront and the cutting edge of of these questions? And I'm partly asking that for myself um, and, and those who might be listening. How yeah, how do you ensure that our you know your evangelism, our evangelism and apologetics? continues to flow from I guess a heart that's at rest and on fire with like the love of God um as well as kind of yeah 
being ahead of some of these questions? That's a good question, isn't it? I think the older I get, and I, you know, turned 50, so I have got older. Yeah, you did. Happy birthday. I think um, the, um, it sounds a cliche, but but trying to trying to stay focused and, and, and meditate as often as you can on Christ and the cross. Um, you know, the text I always like to come back to is, I mean, Romans 5, verse 8 is such a special passage for me. God demonstrates his love for us in this while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Because, you know, in so much, so much is in there of the fact that we're sinners, the fact that we're, we're alienated from God through our own stupidity, but the fact that we are so radically loved. Um, and so to keep that, to keep that front and center. And also then for those of us who, who either like the life of the mind, like you and I do, or like, you know, sharing our faith and, and, and getting out and engaging with others, like many who are listening to this podcast, I think the thing we need to get into our heads is that God doesn't love us more if we evangelize more. Because you can, you, that's the trap thinking, well, if I do more ministry and if I'm more effective and I study more and read more and have more conversations, God somehow loves me more. My number goes up the rankings. Okay, Ooh, no, 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 it absolutely doesn't. As you say, it has to come out of out of loving and being loved and go, that's why I we, we do it. And having a passion for people. And um, and we're taking an interest in people. That's the other thing I found, you know, I think I look at, probably like you, I get lots of young folks sort of asking me, how do you get started in evangelism? I say, actually, if you if you love God and love people, which was funnily enough, Jesus's reduction of the law to those two things, right. a lot flows, right? If you love God and you know that you're loved, even when you mess up, something like, you love people, you find them interesting, you want to you want to get to know them, you want to take an interest in their lives. It's amazing how much people open up when they realise you actually care about them, and you find them interesting and and whatever, rather than you see them as a project. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. And and on those final, that final thought, on those final words, it's um it's time to bring this episode to a close. It's it's been a real joy chatting with you, Andy. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, likewise, likewise. We should do this again, shouldn't we? This is a yeah. Who's, who needs guests? That's the new motto for uh, for pet talk. Chat and so. record. Yeah. Chat and record. Oh. Chat and re- yes, exactly. And and thank you to you, dear listeners. And thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Pep Talk. And we look forward to um, joining you in probably in a couple of weeks' time with with a guest. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to you joining us um, soon. <laughs>